0: So, our text is from Luke chapter 18 these words, but they understood none of these things. That's Luke 18 34. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, it's not that we today don't understand anything about Jesus, it's not that we today don't understand his crucifixion, his death, and his resurrection. Sure, the disciples of Jesus in our gospel reading most probably were thinking other things. They were hoping Jesus would be a political figure, the best of kings, who would lead a rebellion against the Romans and even the elders of Israel, the chief priests and the scribes. So once again restore the glory, the glory of Israel. They were, those disciples, thinking of perhaps Israel at the time of David or Israel at the time of Solomon, King Solomon, when political delegations from all over the world came to Jerusalem to witness the wisdom of Solomon and the glory of the palace in which he lived. The peace, the prosperity, and joy to be found there. Of note is the visit of the Queen of Sheba, that is the queen of what is nowadays either Gaiman or Ethiopia. They both claim her as their own. It's noted for us in 1 Kings 10. There we read, when the Queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon and his relationship to the Lord, she came to test Solomon with hard questions. Arriving at Jerusalem with a very great caravan, with camels carrying spices, large quantities of gold and precious stones, she came to Solomon and talked with him about all that she had on her mind. Solomon answered all her questions. Nothing was too hard for the king to explain to her. When the queen of Sheba saw all the wisdom of Solomon and the palace that he had built, The food on his table, the seating of his officials, the attending servants in their robes, his cupbearers, and the burnt offerings he made at the temple of the Lord. She was overwhelmed. She said to the king, The report I heard in my own country about your achievements and your wisdom is true. But I did not believe these things until I came and saw them with my own eyes. Indeed, not even half was told me. In wisdom and wealth you have far exceeded the report I heard. How happy your people must be. How happy your officials who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Praise be to the Lord your God who has delighted in you and placed you on the throne of Israel. Because of the Lord's eternal love for Israel he has made you king to maintain justice and righteousness. So, the glowing description of the kingdom of Israel under King Solomon. And most probably the vision, the vision the disciples of Jesus had in their heads when Jesus began to talk to them about being delivered over to the Gentiles. Being mocked, shamefully treated, spit upon being flogged and even killed, but rising again from the dead after three days. The disciples did not grasp this. It went over their heads. They understood none of it. And you know the same, the same can be said for us today, for the world today, even for Christians today. Of course, the difference today would be that the disciples did not know much better that their understanding of the uh, kingdom of Jesus was informed by popular belief, messianic fervor, by misconstruals of Old Testament prophecy. Whereas we, in fact, know by the very word of God, the New Testament, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Jesus, is not an earthly kingdom. It's not a kingdom of this world. Yes, yes, Jesus is our king. He's our king who lives and reigns at the right hand of God. That is a position of universal power and authority. Dwelling in our hearts, informing our hearts and minds and souls by his holy word. And yet, and yet, inside of us, we can find a battle taking place. Our old Adam fighting against our new man. Our old Adam insisting that a compromise can be reached. An embracing of worldly religiosity that would establish in this world a kingdom, a kingdom like that witnessed by the Queen of Sheba. Peace, happiness, wonderful buildings, beautiful clothing, excellent food, and wisdom and knowledge aplenty. But being spit upon, mocked, shamefully treated by this world doesn't fit that picture so our old adam would struggle mightily to turn our hearts and minds away from the suffering and death of jesus as we begin our observation of the season of lent this ash wednesday why well who wants to suffer who wants to die for if jesus our king suffered and died at the hands of the world what does that mean for us his subjects I mean when Jesus was arrested what did his disciples do? They ran away. They ran away and they hid themselves and they kept hiding. Why? Well, they didn't want to suffer. They didn't want to die like Jesus. And yet, and yet when we are baptized into Christ, we're baptized into his suffering and we're baptized into his death. And from that moment on, our old Adam is subject daily to just such a suffering, just such a death. That person that existed, that person, the person who we were when we were born, is subject to a daily suffering and a daily death as the kingdom of King Jesus is established within us. The Holy Spirit coming to dwell in our hearts, creating there the new man, the new person, that didn't exist when we were born, but came into existence when we were reborn in our baptisms. And who we are as both old Adam and new man then lives daily knowing, being convinced that the sin in which we were born and the sin we've committed since and continue to commit even when we don't realize it, it's forgiven. It's forgiven. That's what it means to be a citizen in the kingdom of our King Jesus. Sins forgiven, our sins forgiven, every single day forgiven. And so we have peace with God. So we have a clear conscience before both God and man. We could say to a certain extent that through faith in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, what the Queen of Sheba experienced at the court of Solomon is what's going on within our hearts. It's What's going on within our hearts when Jesus our King reigns there. But How does the suffering and dying of our old Adam fit into this picture? Well, it's interesting. It's interesting to note that after telling his disciples what was going to happen to him, how Jesus would suffer and die and rise again on the third day, it's interesting that this being Jesus' stated future and reality, Jesus' impending suffering and death, it changed nothing. It changed nothing when it came to the blind man, the blind man who met him on the road to Jericho. I mean... There Jesus had given, had stated that he was going to suffer and die and yet when the blind man calls out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, Jesus doesn't ignore him. Jesus isn't wrapped up in himself thinking only of himself and how he must go to Jerusalem and suffer and die. No, in spite of his impending suffering and death, his impending suffering and death at the very hands of the people whom he came to save, Jesus still loved. He loved the blind man and cured him of his blindness. Why? Why did he do that? It would be a precursor, wouldn't it? A precursor of the result of the resurrection. I mean, all the miraculous healings of Jesus did many things. They showed the love of God for man, for example. And they also demonstrated that with the forgiveness of sin, there would be the healing of the effects of sin. And in the resurrection... Because of the resurrection, the resurrection of Christ, which would only occur because of his suffering and death for us and for our sin, in the resurrection from the dead, there would be no blindness. Now, King Solomon, he had been many things. But King Solomon could not restore sight to the blind. Nor could King Solomon raise the dead back to life. So when Jesus restored the sight of the blind man, what he was doing was visibly demonstrating to us his kingdom, the ultimate effects of his kingdom, the life in the kingdom which he would create through his suffering and death and resurrection from the dead. That kingdom would be so much more than what the Queen of Sheba found at the court of Solomon. So, as we too suffer, as we too suffer, and let's make no mistake about it, we are suffering. Our old Adam given daily to worry and panic and despair and anger over the pandemic and how the world is addressing the pandemic. Yes, our old Adam, which would harangue us daily, driven by fear of death, would joy to have us spend all our time fulfilling its needs. Our new man, however, new creation of our King Jesus would have us Reach out to those around us in love and serve them as we always should. Why? Why? Our life in Christ is not a pursuit of an earthly kingdom. Our life in Christ is not a pursuit of an earthly kingdom. It is instead our service on the earth in our heavenly kingdom. It is instead our service on the earth, in our heavenly kingdom, the kingdom of our King Jesus. Yes, his kingdom is not of this world, and so that means that we too are not of this world. And thus it's only as citizens of the kingdom of Jesus that we truly can serve our neighbor in love, ourselves being not wrapped up in the world. Even though we too, be our old Adam, are daily subject to suffering and death, but that doesn't define us. Our life in Christ defines us. His reign in our hearts as our king defines us. And so the forgiveness of sin, life, and salvation daily, daily, they define us. Amen. Now may the peace which passes all understanding keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen. We rise and confess our Christian faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed.